0: More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Thursday, June 17th. And we are delighted you're joining us. Uh, As expected, the Federal Reserve did nothing. And I think this is going to be a problem, Mark. I am starting to worry about inflation more and more. I know that it is, I know that a lot of this is temporary. Like I just noticed, which is like sort of this fun thing that uh, lumber prices were down like by 20% last week and down like 40% from the peak. So there are certain aspects of the supply chain issues that are going to get worked out. Okay. I get that. But overall, there's just like a lot of price increases across the board in so many different areas. The problem with the Fed has always been the case. As friend of the pod, Mark Spindell, has told me a million times, he's the guy who wrote a huge book about the Federal Reserve, or co-wrote. You know, he says that the problem is they might directionally be correct, but they're always late. And that's a problem. That is going to be a big problem. They're going to snuff out my whole recovery because they're late, all they have to do is just start signaling nice and easy, right? But I hear he's going to make a big speech in Jackson Hole when they do that whole symposium. And that's going to be the time where he starts, that Powell starts to lay out the the tapering of bond purchases and the increase in uh, rates. I don't know. Like, I just think the labor market could be a big smoke screen because they're waiting for the labor market to settle back down. Well, I don't know. I think there's plenty of information that's already available, but far be it for me to tell PhDs and very smart people how to run the economy. Just me. This is a program that takes the mystery out of your financial life. Do you know how we do that? We ask that you send us your financial questions. All you need to do is send an email. The email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. Gary has just started listening to the pod and he listened to this, found us on Spotify. And he says, I absolutely love your show. Hey, Spotify, do you want to buy us? You notice that they're buying people? How much would they pay for us, Mark? No, this is the funniest thing. They'd be like, okay, if you want to be on our platform, you have to pay us. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's get back to Gary. I know you're big on Roth IRAs and 401ks, and I never thought about them much, and I've always liked the tax break that you get from the traditional retirement accounts, but listening to your show has me thinking. I am 57 and my wife is 55. We both work. Our combined income is around $300,000. I expect that to go down quite a bit within the next two to four years, probably to about 100 grand. Here's what we have. Oh, brother, here's the problem, Mark. I mean, it's not a problem. It's a good problem. $3 million. Dollars in 401ks, five hundred grand after tax, five hundred grand investment property, which they're going to sell within five years, four hundred thousand dollars in equity which is their primary residence. They owe 300 grand at (laughs) 2.3%. It's an arm for the next three years. They're going to look to downsize within three years. Listen to this. Gary paid for three college tuitions for the kids. The youngest just graduated. And now I'm hoping to increase after tax account over the next couple of years. Should we convert some of the $3 million here comes the hate mail, in their traditional 401ks into a Roth IRA, IRA. Well, I mean, first of all, here's the problem. You're still contributing to these 401ks, aren't you? If you wanted to do this, which I it may or may not be a good idea, I just want to be clear about that. But you'd have to see, if you're going to do it now, you'd have to see if there's an in-service conversion available but I don't think you should necessarily do it now. I do think, I'm not sure why you guys are going to see the income go down to 100,000 within the next two to four years. That's when you should do it. Let's pretend, let's say that one of them is going to stop working in two to four years. And that's why the income goes down. That's the moment where I think you could really get going here. And the reason is that your, your income tax bracket is going to drop down your top bracket. So let's presume that, you know, in the next couple of years, it's down at a hundred thousand, that would put you your top rate income tax rate at 22%. That would be an awesome thing to be able to convert some of your money. So maybe not all of it, but maybe if you did 50 grand, uh, up to the 172,500 dollar level, and also maybe think about even going higher because the 24% bracket starts at $172,750, goes up to almost 330000 So imagine to convert your money at 24%. I think that'd be a good do. I know Mark loves this idea. But obviously, you've got to be able to pay the tax that is due with after-tax money, right, that's already set aside and as you say, you know, if you could build up that after-tax account, that would certainly make sense. At this point going forward, uh, Mark, should they start contributing to the Roths right now anyway? I would say yes. Why not? Is, is uh, I mean, so yes, I think you would both want to do that. A couple of things about just the sales that you're about to make. The primary residence, you know, that's a good way to obviously make sure that you Take some money and beef up your non retirement assets. The investment property, don't forget to make sure that you are fully aware of what the tax liability is on that, because that can be pretty scary. So, Gary, yes, we think you should start to do it, but probably not until the Roth probably doesn't occur until your income drops. You know, if you're going to make less money, even though you're both going to be working, that's when we would want to know a bit more about the in-service transfers at conversions and the ability to do that. Okay. <sighs> Question about pandemic job loss from Sandy. Much information has been broadcast about job loss among hospitality and leisure industries, which represents our lowest wage earners. We hear so much hand-wringing and criticism of these workers as lazy, preferring to collect unemployment to working for poverty wages. First of all, I think that's pretty logical thinking. I agree, Sandy. Come on. I think it's so nasty, that judgy stuff. I mean, you know, like if you are given an economic test what should I do? Stay home, be safe and collect more money or go to work, be at risk and collect less money. Hmm. Duh. Okay. Sandy goes on and says, how many of these workers are women with costly childcare needs preventing them from working? A lot. Women are definitely disproportionately the ones staying home, taking care of their kids. Second, how many jobs paying 30 grand minimum to be above the poverty level for a family of four? How many of these jobs have returned? It seems that our country's economic health would depend more on jobs at 40 grand plus. Wouldn't a focus on infrastructure and training programs address this? Uh, I was with you until that last sentence because I think training for sure, infrastructure takes a really long time to create jobs. So that's probably not it. But here's the deal. I think that wage growth is on the move and good, good, good for our economy because I can't stand to hear one more whining small business owner who says that they can't actually be able to to survive paying 10 bucks an hour that is not a wage that is actually reasonable and therefore you don't have a viable business and i know that sounds mean i've been a small business owner i've had people say these kinds of things to me but you've got to be able to pay a living wage it may not be that you've got a viable business and that stinks And I've been there. I've shut things down before. It's not pretty. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to be realistic. If you cannot get the workers at those really paltry wages, then you probably don't have a viable business. Okay? All right. Gilbert says, subject, I don't want to oversave in pre-retirement accounts, but I also want to reduce my taxable income. Shall we just go to the end and answer that, Mark? (laughs) Mark's like, good luck. All right. Gilbert is a, uh, a resident, a physician. He's finishing up his five-year training this month. year to day gross income, 42 grand by the end of the month. Well, you know, because residents make no money. He's 34 years old. He's single, no kids. I've been fortunate enough to save $52,000 with the help of my hospital's 8% match. So he's got a 401k and 403b accounts. In addition... He's got about 19 grand in a Roth IRA and 7,000 in a taxable brokerage account. He says, I have $26,000 in a high yield savings account. Collecting his half percent. No other assets. My only debt. And isn't this enough? Mark, are you ready? Take a deep breath. Everyone. (sighs) Gilbert's got $259,000 of student loan debt from medical school. Now, Here's the good news. Gilbert's gone for the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. He says, I've already made five years of minimum payments during residency, which means he's got five years remaining before he applies for loan forgiveness. He will be starting a job at a not-for-profit, a 501c3 hospital in August, and he will be making, whoa, $495,000. How about that? What do you think of that, Mark? $495,000 in a low cost of living area. Mark says, sounds like you can pay off those loans himself, but that's not the rules. The rules are if it's a nonprofit and you make payments for 10 years, then you can do it. But interesting that a nonprofit hospital that he's making 500 grand, that's a lot. The job also provides retirement accounts with a 6% match. Here's his three-part question. Should he roll over his $50,000 dollars in his current plan into the Roth IRA versus traditional IRA or into my new job. Yeah, you might as well because your income this year is going to be lower than it will be going forward, right? Is there a limit to the amount of my 401k I can convert into a Roth? Can I re- do the whole balance? Yeah, you can do it. The only implication is that you can, you know, you're going to add to your taxable income, but let's just look at this. Let's say he's making 500. He starts in August, by the way, never get sick in August. That's when all the new folks start, right? August, September, October, November. So he's got five months. So he's going to, I think he's going to be good. I think he should convert it all. I think he'll be in the 24% bracket. It doesn't matter because he's going up to the 35, probably up to the 37% bracket. So I would do that. So you can convert, do the backdoor Roth. Okay. Would you consider putting money in the 457 after maxing out the 401k? Would you rather put it in a taxable brokerage or do a mega backdoor Roth? I'm going to say I want to do a mega backdoor Roth and I want him to save some money also. He's going to be very heavy in his retirement savings. So I think he's going to have to beef up his non-retirement savings. What do you think? Yeah, he may be able to. It's true. I think that he's going to be able to do everything. I want to know more about you and I want to know why you're single. <laughs> <laughs> I crack myself up. Oh my God. Margaret writes, thank you for your podcast. I listen in the morning while I walk. I love it. I'm 64. My husband is an artist. He's 75. I worked in the travel industry for 40 years and I, In January of this year, I lost my job due to the pandemic. My plan was to work until I'm 70. So much for the plan. I've been applying for a lot of jobs. I think it's my lack of education. I have 16 college credits and I think also my age. So no results. So I believe I'm retired. Believe it or not, early in my career, I was hired by a woman who also did not have a college degree. I moved my bucket to Vanguard and the monthly payment... I think she means the money she draws out of this, I guess, pays her bills. Um, She can hold off taking Social Security until age 70. The money is invested, 40% stock, 60% bonds. I have a few thousand dollars in savings that I'm going to continue to add to it. No debt, no mortgage. Child's parent plus student loans are paid off. I have a small Roth. I don't plan to touch it and hope to to use it to help a future grandchild's education house purchase. What do you think of this plan? Do I need to worry? Is it an okay plan? Vanguard says we're good to 100. <laughs> well, just, you know, be ready to take the little magic pill when you're 100 or 99 and a half. Here's what I'd like you to do, Margaret. Can you just f- follow up with us and tell us how much money you've moved to Vanguard and then I would feel better. But before, you know, I know I don't want you to have sleepless nights either. What I would love to know is, you know, kind of what's the the amount of money and what is the actual retirement need that you have? She signed it's anxious in Connecticut. Be anxious no more. Okay. All right. So let's see. What do we got? Lori, I just wanted to reach out and say thanks. Mark. I love when you do this. Every time I hear you interviewed on the radio or listen to your show, I'm delighted to hear someone out there who is giving really good advice to consumers. As the owner of a small registered investment advisory firm that is often dispelling garbage clients here in the media about what to do with their money, I truly appreciate what you are out there saying, in addition to delivering good, solid financial advice, your take on the economy, what's going on with it, and practical solutions for things like the tax code are really well thought out and make a lot of sense. Every time I hear you on the radio, I think to myself that I hope you know how much your voice is appreciated. So I thought I'd take a couple of minutes to let you know. Mark, that's so nice, right? a fabulous way to end the show. So we're going to do that. We're going to end the show and we are going to thank you so much for listening. And just want to remind you that you can subscribe to this. If you're listening to this, maybe on YouTube, or maybe you pass this along, you can subscribe to Jill on money, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we are always encouraging you to send us your questions. So all you have to do, it's very easy. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. If you are on our website, which I hope that you are every so often, just check it out. JillOnMoney.com. We've got a contact button there, but we also have loads of other stuff, including our free weekly newsletter, which you should absolutely subscribe to because Mark does a fantastic job on that. Okay. Lift someone up today and make sure that that's, you know, check. I did that today. I smiled at someone. I made someone feel good. Check check that off your list. That's your daily practice, okay? And remember that uh, we are aiming still to figure out whether we're going to have a new acronym, Financial Independence New Endeavor. FINE. That's from our listener, Marshall. We have FIERO, Financial Independence Enables Retirement Options. I like all these. It's great. Grit, Growth, Grace, little dollop of gratitude would would also be fabulous. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.